Hey there, Agile Llamas. Welcome to another episode of Agile Bytes, the podcast sponsored by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we're building software in an agile manner day in and day out. For all of our TikTok fans out there, I want to do something that was a big TikTok trend at least a few years ago. I, I don't know that very many people are still doing it, but it's put a finger down, right? So I want you to go ahead and put your hand up, put all your five fingers up. Put a finger down if everyone on your software development team is pressured to get stuff off their plate as fast as possible. Put a finger down if there is some person or group of persons who is situated toward the end of the software development process who is responsible for quality control, okay? Maybe QA or, or, or testing or whatever, okay? There's some group or persons who sits in the process who's responsible for that specific thing. Put a finger down if this arrangement has caused kind of an ad hoc belief that people should just get their work done and get it done as quickly as possible because someone else is going to handle the quality issues. Put a finger down if these people who are responsible for quality control find themselves with a very short window to do their quality control and most of that window is spent just getting the thing to work in the first place. And then finally, Put a finger down if when these people find defects and they bring them upstream, upstream becomes irritated because they are under pressure to get a new set of things out the door as fast as possible. How many fingers have you still got holding up? One? None? Fact is, there are a lot of organizations that work this way. You have a QA person or department, or they might not call them that, but that's what they're called in a lot of places. That sort of that performs that testing quality control function at the end of the process. Well, there's so much pressure for people to move things as quickly as possible that people are just throwing things over the fence. You know, coders, they get code and as soon as on their machine, they get some green light that says things are working, they pop it over the fence to QA. And now QA is spending most of their time not testing edge cases, not coming up with new and innovative ways users might break the software that we haven't thought of. They're just trying to get the thing to work. And then they come back to the developers or whoever got the requirements and they need things adjusted. Well, now those people have moved on, you know, and they're trying to get the next set of things out the door. And now we have this sort of contentious relationship because QA needs them to fix defects. These people don't have time. They've moved on to other things. And then we get into arguments about, is this a defect really? Or should we do this just because QA said, or should we keep pushing it through? And, and all kinds of complications come from this arrangement. It's very, very common. And if your software development line doesn't look like this, you should congratulate yourself because I work with a lot of organizations and this picture to some degree or another obtains in a lot of the places that I work with. So today I wanna to talk to you about a topic that was requested by a good friend of the podcast, Callie Fireman, And it's basically the idea that quality is a team sport that quality is everyone's job. It is something that we bake into the beginning of the process and is something that accompanies us throughout the production cycle. It's not just something that is the responsibility of a certain person or group of people towards the end of the production cycle. So from a mindset standpoint, I think all of us would probably at least give lip service to that being true. I mean, you, you talk to your software developers, do you think quality is your job as well? And they would probably say, yes. Do you think it's important that you are releasing a quality product? Yes, of course we do. We all say that. 
you know, we might argue how deeply that mindset has actually set in or not. But I think most people are at least on board with the idea that everyone on the team should be thinking about quality and doing a high quality job. But what does that actually look like when we look at the reality and we see people just throwing stuff over the fence, hoping that QA catches it? Have we really internalized this in our processes? And so I want to give you a few things to think about as you think about your software development process that can sort of help us think about baking quality in, taking care of it up front, making sure it accompanies us all the way through the process and that everyone is participating in making sure that we deliver a quality product. So the first idea I'm going to throw out is, do you have explicit policies around when a work item is ready for the next stage of transformation? So just so I can have a default model to talk to you about, let's say that our normal development process is we've got user stories, maybe in a backlog or in a prioritized queue, and we pull those stories. They go through some level of analysis, requirements gathering, shaping, maybe some design work, you know, maybe business analysts are very heavily involved at this particular stage in the game. And then at some point we stop doing that. And we say, this is now ready for a developer to start working on. Is there an explicit policy around when that work item is ready for a developer to work on? What that work item needs to include? What information do we need to have? Do we need to have all the acceptance criteria that we can done before a developer starts working on it? Do we need it broken down into all the subtasks before a developer starts working on it? Do we need to have had a team conversation where we all agree that this item has everything we need before we start work on it? What are those policies? Maybe you have policies like that. Maybe you don't. Maybe there are other things you can think of. But I would argue that basically you want to have that and you want to have that for each stage of the production process. So if we do analysis or design or something at the beginning, we need to have criteria, exit criteria, for when this is ready for the next stage of transformation. Development, the coding work. Do we have standards and criteria for what has to happen before this is ready to get to QA? Some examples of this are uh, we need to have a certain amount of unit test coverage, or we need to have a certain amount of integration test coverage around what we've done. We should have a test around each acceptance criteria that's passing. You might have uh, criteria like that as the exit criteria for development. How do we know that QA is done? How do we know that something is ready to deploy? The thing is, in a lot of organizations, this knowledge exists. It's just implicit. And because it's implicit, everyone kind of has slightly different ideas about what it is. And everyone has slightly different ideas about how okay it is not to do those things because it's all implicit. No one has ever said, this is the standard. But what you want is for each of your stages of development, you want to have more or less a checklist. In order for this to be ready for development, this needs to be the case, this needs to be the case, this needs to be the case, this needs to be the case. Basically, a definition of done. So that as far as we know, this card is ready to move to the next stage. In fact, I would go so far to say that your development stage, in order to move out of that, the assumption should be, as far as we know, this is ready for production. As far as the developers know, we could put this in production today and everything would be fine. That's the state that that work item needs to be in before it gets to QA, before it gets to testing. So what does that look like? What does that mean? 
Teams are going to look different in this. Projects are going to look different in this. But have that discussion. Have those explicit policies. Think about it like this. If you hired a new business analyst or you hired a new developer or a new tester and it's their first day, would they be able to know right away what the expectations were for their work? Would they know right away that whatever I'm doing, these criteria have to be met in order to make this available downstream. If, if there's not a good way for them to know that, write it, create it. Doesn't mean you can't revise it as time goes on. Doesn't mean everyone shouldn't have a voice in it. Have at it. But everybody needs that. You need to have those explicit policies. When is this card ready to move downstream? The second idea I want to throw your way is to let the standard drive your activity as opposed to letting your activity define the standard. So this starts very early on, right? When we are using something like user stories or whatever you use for your work items, a lot of times what we define are acceptance criteria. What are the things that have to be true in order for this business capability to be said to be delivered? Well, let's define those first, right? Let's define those before we start working Let's not build what we think this feature is and then define the acceptance criteria for it, right? That would be weird. We want to have the acceptance criteria to tell us what has to be true to deliver this capability. And as we define that up front, other pieces can start their work. So for example, let's say I'm in QA. Well, if I'm part of those initial discussions where we're defining the user stories and defining acceptance criteria, and we all walk away from the table with the same idea of what those acceptance criteria are, well, guess what I can do? I can start writing my test scripts. I can start coming up with my testing scenarios, my end-to-end -end testing scenarios that we're going to do because I already know what the acceptance criteria are. I don't have to wait for developers to finish their code in order for me to create these things. I can go ahead and create them because I have the standard, right? And I can begin defining the standards up front. This is one reason amongst others why when we are uh, creating user stories, I like for developers and testers to be there. Their voice needs to be there, not just the users and whoever's capturing the stories like a business analyst or something like that. I like to create that shared understanding so that when it's time to pull that card, QA has something to do right away. They have something to do in the analysis stage, right? They have something to do in the requirements gathering phase they can begin to create those end-to-end -end scenarios. I usually tell people when I'm doing TDD workshops that those end-to-end -end scenarios, those, those large integration scenarios, are usually the first test that we write, but they are the last test to pass because we define the standard up front and then we do all the work necessary that isn't complete until all those tests are finally passing. I mentioned TDD. This is something your development team can practice. Instead of just writing code and then writing tests around the code that you wrote, write the test first. What does perfection look like up front? You know, when I was in fourth grade, they made us memorize the capitals of all 50 states in the United States. And so we spent however long memorizing those. And then we took a test and the test was to write out the capitals of all 50 states. But you know what the teacher didn't do? The teacher didn't hand out a blank sheet of paper and say, everyone write what you think are the capitals of all 50 states, and then I'll write the test after I see what you did. I'll, I'll write the test around the results that you produced. They did not do that. 
No, actually the standard existed first. 50 states have capitals. You're going to have to know what they are. And that drove our work out for that week. And it also constrained the results that we produced at the end. Well, that's one of many helpful functions that TDD does for your code. If you define the tests up first, you know what you got to write to make the test pass. The tests define in an automated way your understanding of how the code is supposed to behave. And so let's come up with those standards first. But whatever it looks like in particular practice, you know, I don't know, some of you may do automated end-to-end -end testing, some of you might not, some of you may do TDD, some of you might not. The principle is the main thing that's important here, is that you create the quality standard up front, and then you drive your work around that quality standard. You don't just type out a bunch of stuff or write out a bunch of requirements and throw it over the fence, right? We, we want to know what perfection looks like or what the goal looks like. Perfection is probably too strong a word. We're never going to do that. But we, we want to know what the goal looks like up front so that we can do all of our work to align with that standard, to align with that goal. And every piece of the process can have this, right? A business analyst can have standards for their requirements. Developers can have standards for the code that they write. They can write automated tests up front. They can, you can write integrated end-to-end -end tests up front. They're not going to pass because you haven't written the stuff yet, but they give you that standard to shoot for. When you watch an archery competition, people don't just start shooting arrows and then somebody runs out there and paints a bullseye around where the arrows land. They set up the target first and then you have to hit the target. It makes a lot of common sense, but we don't do it, right? So when you think about your team's production, this is a big way to make quality uh, part of everyone's job in practice. I am a coder. That's, that's the part of the life cycle I usually find myself occupying when I'm doing project work. And so I want to write my tests first and I want my tests to pass. And when I tell QA that a card is ready for them to test, as far as I'm concerned, that card is bulletproof. Okay? QA should be catching things that I did not think of. And because I've created tests around all the behaviors I need, and those are derived, from the acceptance criteria that I've seen on the card, they should be catching things that nobody thought of, right? They should be spending all their time doing out-of-the-box crazy stuff. They should not be spending days just trying to get my code to even work. And so defining the standard up front, writing those tests up front, everybody participating in that process is a good way to build quality in early and to have everybody participate in it. Now, having said that, before I close with, and those are just a couple of ideas, right? There's, there's many more things that could be said about this topic. These are just things that everyone can do relatively easily just to get you going. But I want to close by saying, don't confuse high quality with getting it right. Because this is a trap that we can easily fall into. Let me give you an example. Let's say that we build a feature for a client we deliver it to the client, the client sees that feature, and they say, oh, now that I've seen this, I realized that I forgot X, Y, and Z, or eh, I don't really like the way the UX turned out on this. I would really like it changed in this way. Or you put this under this tab, but now that I see it, I'd really like it under this other tab. Those are not quality problems, or they are likely not quality problems. Software development is an evolutionary activity. And a lot of people don't really know how to describe what they need until they see something. When we're talking about agile software development, it's usually far, far better to get something in front of someone quickly and get their feedback 
than to spend weeks and weeks and weeks trying to get everything perfect up front so that we won't get any feedback, right? That's that's sort of the older, more waterfallish, more big batch way to approach things. The fact is we've recognized in software development that unless the domain is just super well known and just doesn't change, it's really, really difficult to get the software right up front, to do enough upfront planning that you're going to get rid of the evolutionary side of software. People are gonna learn, they're gonna see things, they're gonna have feedback, you're gonna respond to it, the market is going to respond if you're putting your software out on the open market and that's going to shape the direction that you go or it should, right? So leave room for that, okay? Building high quality just means that whatever you produce, it's a high quality product. It doesn't mean that you built the right thing. It doesn't mean that there aren't gaps. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get feedback that you will then have to go back and maybe rework some of the things that you did. What we are trying to do is we are trying to prevent rework that comes from your stuff just not being very good, okay? Because the time that we spend up front minimizing that kind of rework is vastly going to outweigh all the time and frustration we're going to have on the back end when we have to fix all that stuff. But at the same time, you want to leave room for evolution. You want to leave room for learning. You want to leave room for adaptation because you are going to have to do some rework in an agile project. It's just the rework isn't going to be because you put out something terrible. The rework is going to be because we're learning and our clients are learning, our users are learning, and we are learning, and the market is adapting, and we are adapting, and we are coming up with new things, and people will come up with things they've never come up before. That's not a quality issue. That's just the nature of software development. So leave room for that. Don't try to quality practice your way out of that happening. You're always going to need to go back and rework things because of the evolution of software. Let's just make sure that the time we spend doing that isn't because we put out a low quality product with defects that we could have prevented if we had just made it a higher value in the beginning. Thanks everyone for listening to Agile Bytes. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.